Hello and welcome to the Football Collective Podcast, a football research podcast for debate, discussion, highlighting members of the collective, their research and all things football within the world of academia. Welcome back everyone to another episode of the Football Collective Podcast. I'm your host Sarthak Mundal and today we have got with us a very special guest, Ross Brooks. Hello Ross, how are you? Yeah, very good. Yeah, thank you for having us, Artak. And um, yeah, no, a pleasure to, to come in and, and, and share some stuff. So uh, yeah, I really look forward to it. So this is basically like the first time you were on our podcast. So for our listeners, if you can introduce yourself and what is your day job basically and what is your role around that, that will be perfect for us. Yeah, no problems. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm fortunate enough to work for uh, West Ham United in the in the club's academy. Um, I sort of lead on the under nines and tens, um, so overseeing the coaching program um, for those age groups. Um, I, I joined uh, last summer. Um, joined from uh, Lincoln City Football Club, um, where I'd been there for a couple of years. Um, so yeah, I was uh, quite delighted to be joining. Um, uh, obviously a football club with a rich history of producing producing players and uh, yeah it's been a been a great great uh, time it's unfortunately the season's uh, finished in the way it has you know with, with the difficult period that we're in but um, yeah that's kind of a bit of an overview around around my role really. So basically like the next question is uh, so have you been a footballer yourself? <laughs> uh, no, um, I, I played um, locally a lot. Um, so I'm in, originally from Norwich, uh, and I was involved in um, doing camps with Norwich and playing for some grassroots teams in in the areas. But um, I think I probably got to sort of 16, 17, and realised a career as a professional footballer was. Uh, becoming further and further away um, you know it was something that I worked really hard with but um, I did a, a coaching course when I was 14 um, called the Junior Football Organisation course which I think Norwich City ran um, and I got an insight into what coaching was like um, and really sort of from 14 I was volunteering and, and then as soon as I could get a part-time role that's really when my focus changed um, so I played at an okay level, um, but really coaching from quite an early age was something that I really believed was was go- you know I wanted to pursue as a career, um, you know, and I was quite realistic to know that I probably wasn't going to end up as a as a Premier League or professional footballer. So I sort of felt this was a great way of staying in in football and having a you know a career at it really. Okay, so for our listeners and some of my friends back in India who think that becoming a coach. It's like a very easy job. You just send in an application and they just hire you. So, and listening to you and from my experiences as well, I'm a level one coach myself. Yeah. Figured out after that that, well, I, I'm not going to pass the FA level two with my brilliant level of fitness. Yeah. <laughs> so basically, like, can you explain like what has been your pathway to West Ham essentially, like through Lincoln City as well, and have yeah. you coached in grassroots as well? Yeah, I, I probably it was because it was something I wanted to do quite early on. Um, I sort of in my mind made a decision that coaching was something that I really wanted to pursue quite early on. So um, when I was in year eleven, I remember uh, literally leaving school at quarter past three and jumping on a bus 
to go down to uh, Carra Roads um, and there was um, some sessions in the evening and on Saturday mornings and just giving up my time um, and I probably gave maybe 400, 500 hours of voluntary work before I even earned any real money um, uh, and I think that experience that I got as a volunteer was invaluable. It, it probably tested my commitment um, and really made me question what I wanted to do and it probably reinforced how passionate I was around it. Um, but it's been a tough journey because um, to, to earn um, a, a good amount of money in, in football is incredibly difficult. Um, so there's been periods where I've really struggled financially and um, you know I've had to sac sacrifice a lot of time probably worked for over 10 years now giving up most evenings and most weekends coaching um, and I, I think I was fortunate that I was able to get on coaching courses quite early so I think by the time I was 18 I'd had a, a reasonable amount of experience um, with with coaching um but also had my level two and i got onto my way for b license um probably when i was 20 21 um which at the time was quite was quite young and i was fortunate enough to get on onto that so i think once i got my way for b for me that was like the golden ticket because i felt yes now i can i can now go into academy football um but it wasn't that easy um I sort of probably felt at the time it would be giving me it would give me a much better chance of getting a full time role, but I think probably it took me five six years before even being able to go full time. And and in that period, I worked in schools. I've done voluntary work. I worked with uh, disability. I worked with uh, secondary school kids. I worked with in social projects, going into doing some streets uh, stuff and some street support through football. You know, I've kind of coached in in every possible environment um, and I think for me my advice would be for any coaches that are looking to pursue a career in coaching is be ready it's tough and uh, and probably furthermore if you're going to be a good coach or you want to coach well I think you've got to, you've got to get the hours in you've got to go and get as many coaching opportunities as you possibly can um, and I think probably that's changed recently in the respects that with everything being done now through technology and social media and stuff, there's a lot more coaches getting content through Twitter and Instagram and all the coaching websites, which are brilliant. But the actual practical delivery, I think, is what can make you the different. So, yeah, I think for, for me, it'd be don't be afraid of putting in as many hours as you can trying stuff. Um, and I think if you can find a way of persevering through the, the difficulties of that. I think it will really help uh, set you up for, for hopefully a career in it. I mean, obviously, thanks for that answer. And to become a good coach, I guess, like it is important to have like a positive relationship with your players as well. Yeah. As young kids come to you and probably and possibly be a role model for them. So in terms of that, how is your relationship with your players and how do you like handle difficult conversations with them yeah I, th I think for me um it's about being honest um i think that's probably been my biggest thing i've learned i think making sure you're really honest and upfront with people parents and kids around what you're going to be doing with that player um 
and then just being really approachable um being polite being respectful all the things that we probably have been encouraged as kids to be like from our parents um you know and trying to instill your values into how you're working with players and i think if you're generally honest and you're polite and you're respectful to people more often than not that they are the same way back to you um so i think having that open by doing that it helps create an open relationship um and I think if you can show that you're doing it with their interests at heart and you're you're trying to do everything you can to help them, um, more often than not, um, you know, I think people really appreciate that. So I'm quite fortunate with difficult conversations that I think probably in the past I've had some really hard ones uh, where I've not dealt with it probably well and I've learned from that. So... You know, I think what I've just said in terms of being honest and upfront and approachable, all those things will help make those conversations a little bit more difficult. I think if you've got sitting in a room with a parent or with a player and, I don't know, you're, you're, you're kind of hiding the truth around what, why you're making a decision on this or, or whatever, I think more often than not, parents can see through that. So, yeah, I think from my perspective, I try and approach it that way and... Um, I think I always just try and have fun, you know, and try and make the sessions really enjoyable for the kids. And um, so that probably means that at times I have that tough love approach where I can be a bit of a clown and a big kid, but at the same time, I will try and instill some discipline and, and sort of share my values and the club's values and to try and develop them as, you know, as good people. Um, yeah, if that, if that answers your question, okay. So also, apart from that, as you have said, it is important to enjoy in the sessions. So we have had these discussions for like quite a long time that at the age of nine, nine or 10, which is the age group, I guess you coach, yeah. it is important to enjoy the game of football and love the game of football for a kids. If yeah. that person wants to essentially remain in the game for long. So when you are approaching, say under nine or under 10 game, what is the most important thing at that age? Is it like winning or is it enjoying and learning the game? And why is it so? Yeah, I think the most important thing is that you've got to create an environment where the kids are obsessed by it. They want to be there and they love being there. And it's all they can talk about and it's all that they can think about. Um, and I think how you do that is that you have to make it fun. I think that is the most important thing. Naturally, I think kids are competitive. They want to win. Um, and that's fine. It's okay to encourage that. Um, but you as a coach can do that in a really fun way. You know, you can make things competitive and have fun and then help educate around winning and losing and deal with that, that side of it. And I think that's that skill of the coach to be able to understand how to work with nine and 10 year olds to educate them on that. Um, I know what I was like as a kid, man, I was super competitive. If I lost a, a game, I'd lose my head, you know. <laughs> um, you know, I was obsessed with with winning. So probably from my perspective, I would have needed a coach actually to uh, not talk about winning all the time because it probably would have put me, taken me over the edge. I think I actually just needed someone to relax and make, make me enjoy it more. Um, but yeah, I think for me, it's just making it really fun and, uh, I try and try and make our environment and I try and make the environment so I'm coaching with like a playground. I want it to look like a playground. I want them to uh, be in chaos. I want them to feel free. I want them to um, feel like they're playing 
just down the path with their friends, you know, but obviously there's some hidden messages and some learning that we're trying to embed in, into that. Um, yeah. And obviously, well, since you were working with the club, that has a huge and rich history of producing players that have gone and yeah. play for other Premier League, top Premier League sides, as well as the English national team. And I guess you find players with high potential even at the age of under nine or under tens. And when you spot a player like that, is it like, do you guys put them in a different sort of pathway, essentially? And is there like anything special for them regarding how they are treated, how they are told to approach the game of football because there's a high chance that they can be a professional footballer in the future? No, we don't at the younger age groups. Um, you know, I think we are really mindful of the commitment that's required from parents and players at that early age. You know, obviously we've got kids travelling quite far and the amount of times that they're in the training ground and the miles they're having to travel all around the country. I think for us, it's um, really trying to make sure, particularly these younger age groups, it is about fun, it is about learning, it is about um, them, them enjoying it. Um, so we don't really... We obviously will have naturally players that are maybe a higher performing and or have got more potential, um, but no one knows at those younger age groups who's going to go on to be a professional footballer. So we just try and, and I think not just the West Ham, but at all clubs, we just try and treat everyone as equally and as fairly as, as possible. Um, so when they get older, they've had the, you know, really hopefully a really good experience. So when it gets closer to, being a professional, you know, we've got a better chance of them saying, okay, well, probably at this point, it's not going to be, be for you. However, you know, for one or two, it might be. So well, I think we're really, really, you know, I like to be as upfront and realistic around it. You know, it's, I think it's 0.01% of players go on to play professional football. So, yeah, I think it's, um, you can't hide, hide from those statistics. Is I think 0.1% of boys in academies go on to play professional football. So, you know, the, the chances of that happening are, are virtually impossible. So, for me, it's not about that. It's really not. It's, it's about making sure that I give them the best experience that they possibly can and I really try and help them to uh, love playing football and, and be the best person in the, that they can be. Um, you know, and I think the... As a coach, you're you're there to model the behaviours and stuff that you're you know you 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 believe in to to help support that. I mean, thank you for your answer. And I guess uh, if I'm not wrong, a player signs his first professional contract when he's at the age of 16. If I'm not wrong, yeah, I think yeah, I think 17 is the earliest they can sign a professional contract. Uh, but obviously, you 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 know, some clubs will um, kind of inform players and parents that you know that this would be something we'll be look, looking to do but yeah you know and, and when you look at the the Premier League the you, you don't see now too many 16 17 year olds being given the opportunity to play Premier League football because of the level but uh, there's a pathway for, for them with the under 23s and through the loan system and stuff where they can get game time and maybe be given a bit more time to develop and mature physically and, and, and mentally and, you know, and all these things that they need. But uh, yeah, it's a, it's a big challenge. I think playing um, um, that pathway is, is very difficult because you're, you're trying to produce players for the best league in the world. And, you know, the clubs have 
uh, are able to recruit the best players. So um, it makes it very hard for young players. But what a great uh, what a great challenge for coaches, you know, if you can make that one player that goes on to play Premier League football. I mean, what an incredible achievement that that, that individuals been able to do, but also for the for the club as well. So. So basically, my next question is like, what does the academy pathway look for these youth footballers as they go through the age group levels and ultimately try to become a professional footballer? Yeah, so um, uh, all the academies in England are governed by um, E-Treble-P, um, which is the Elite Player Performance Plan, um, which is sort of put together by the, the Premier League. So. Um, clubs are split into different categories. You know, you have category one, category two, category three, and category four clubs. Um, um, so what that then means is, in terms of contracts, I think for under nines to under elevens, the players are put on year contracts, um, and then at under twelve, um, at the end of the season, it's a two-year contract, and then at under fourteen, it's another two-year contract, and then from there, you're you're looking at scholarship to then lead on to professional contracts. So we, I think most clubs tend to try and get it as best they can with the younger age groups in terms of not releasing um, many players at those younger age groups and um, and trying to be patient to 11 under 11 or under 12 because, you know, by that point you'd have had three or four years with getting to know that player, getting to know that family, um, seeing how they cope with the academy football. But, you know, each year you're reviewing it and making sure that's the right the right commitment for them, the right commitment for the club. Um, and really how it's split um, for clubs they, they tend to split the age groups in phases so you'll have like an under 9s to under 12 phase like primary school and then you'd have under 13s to under 16s it would be secondary school and almost like your sixth form or your college age groups and there's like a, there's lots of work um, done from clubs to help support that transition from one phase into the next um, to make sure we get to know as much as we can about the players and and get a real good understanding and and obviously hope hopefully make the right decisions uh, you know in terms of retain and release um, but yeah that would be the sort of a bit of an overview for the for the pathway and all I know is that I'm quite lucky because I'm working with the bottom end so I'm kind of giving them the start of that that journey and uh, you know, seeing them come in at uh, under nine, you, you you know, you see that enthusiasm, that innocence to uh, want to just play football. Um, so for me, I think it's, um, you know, I'm very fortunate to see such talented kids coming into to, at the beginning and, and hopefully I can set them up in the right way at the beginning of their journey and, and they can look at what they've done at the younger age groups and continue that enthusiasm and enjoyment throughout, um, however difficult it gets, really. I mean, thank you for your answer. And before we finish the podcast, we'll ask you one more question. And yes, that, that is pretty much a personal question, uh, not essentially related yeah. to the academy. And it can be a quite difficult conversation between us as well. Uh, I mean, like there has been a lot of talk about like mental health among football players, but mm. essentially there's not a lot of talk about, like you can say, mental health among football coaches, essentially, yeah. which, is, which is a very important topic in my opinion, because a player can be only successful if he has the right coaching. Uh, and as you have discussed previously, that it can take like a long time after your UFA B or you, yeah. these days even UFA A to get into the academy. And there can be like financial strains and other strains that come along your way. And 
this can obviously lead to mental health problems among the coaches so what is your message to coaches who are likely like trying to enter the academy program but are like you can say not getting a clear pathway into those academies and are facing various forms of difficulties essentially yeah i think it's um i don't know if you look in england there's 92 professional clubs um and if you're looking at maybe say the younger age groups you've maybe got four or five coaching roles in each of those 90 of 92 clubs so i'm not the best at maths but there's not many roles for the amount of people that are probably qualified to get those positions um so it's difficult and and obviously if you've probably worked a long time to get a role um, you're probably not going to be quick to try and throw it away you, you'll want to stay at a club for a reasonable amount of time to to really enjoy the the work that you've put in you know and you know a lot of people have worked very hard to get to that point um, but I think for me it's similar to probably with the players every journey is going to be different you're going to have ups and downs along the way there'll be a number of times where you don't get what you want um, and you miss out on things. But I think as long as you're able to persevere um, and are really clear around what you want to work on, you're really um, open to feedback not cri- and, and cannot see it as a personal attack or personal criticism. You are open to feedback and you're open to growing and developing. Um, you will improve and as you'll improve you know you'll be able to seek and gain more opportunities um i think things like this are fantastic to be able to network and listen to different people talk and if you can take one small bit from a conversation and apply it to your own work then then fantastic but yeah i i think it's a really it's a real challenge i think clubs are doing some great stuff now with coaches there's probably a lot more support for coaches than what they were sort of five ten years ago in terms of other other areas um but yeah, I think from my perspective, if I was to look at myself and I was advising myself 10, 12 years ago when I started, um, for me, my biggest probably advice for any coaches is just being patient. I think once you know what you want to do, just be patient. If you miss out on something, don't feel like that's the end of your career or the end of your role. Just uh, just stick with it um, and, you know, keep going, you know, keep persevering and and. and hopefully you'll get to um, what you want to achieve. And, and, and probably my other bit of advice would be is uh, make, make sure you think about other things in life as well. Can't just be football. Um, I think I'm obsessed by football. Uh, I can't stop thinking about it. Um, but what I've learned probably more so in the last two or three years, it's really important to get that balance of spending time with family, spending time with friends and, and feeling not guilty um, to to do other things other than football, I think it's healthy to go and go out running. I think that's something I've enjoyed with this lockdown period is going out and being looking after my body again and going out running and keeping fit. I think sometimes when you're putting so many hours in and putting so much time in, you can often neglect yourself. Um, so it's just making sure you find time to to look after yourself and. Uh, you know you you get that time to spend time with friends and all those things and I haven't always done that um, I've, I've probably worked solely for myself for a long period where I've just thought about me and what I want to achieve um, 
and that's probably led on to maybe me neglecting parts of my personal life and seeing family and friends and stuff and I think now I'm a little bit older I've probably realized I've got that wrong so and I feel much better for it now you know now I've created that time of feeling a lot better for it I know that it's not consuming my life but it doesn't mean I'm not working any harder I'm just probably working smarter now and uh, and thinking about I've got to do this in order to hopefully sustain it but yeah it's it's a it's a challenge but that would probably be my thing be patient and um make sure you you don't neglect what's important in life uh, however much you're obsessed by uh by the game and uh i think if you can do that then then hopefully that will help and i guess probably make sure you speak to people and talk to people and speak with coaches that are in similar positions talk to people that are maybe achieving what you want to achieve and get advice and continually talk to people continually network continually try and reach out to people and even if it's for a five minute conversation just have a, a chat over the phone or you know and, and ask some questions i think i think coaches generally seem to be quite open for that you know I, most people that i've reached out to are in roles that i want to get to have i've always been open to give time and stuff and i think that gives you a glimmer of hope that okay well i, I know i can eventually get this but I've got to be patient and I've probably got to look after myself along the way. So, um, yeah, that, that would be my advice, but it's, it's tough. It's, uh, it's not an easy thing to, 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 to stay in coaching, you know? Thank you for your time, Ross. It was nice speaking to you this morning and I hope you were staying safe in this lockdown and taking good care of your health. Yeah. Yeah. No problems at all. And yeah, say if anyone, uh, this listen wants to, to reach out to me or whatever, then obviously feel free to contact me through through LinkedIn we'll, or anything. We'll stick your link in. Perfect. That's brilliant. Thank you. No problems. Mm-hmm.